Hello, and welcome to episode 54, I think, of the Another Game podcast. Well, it uh, is now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Tom Hatfield, and with me I've got Pip Walk. Hello. And Laura Kate Dale. Hello. We've just been watching uh, Gamescom recently, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But first, I am going to ask people a silly question, which is, what is this? What is the worst name for a gaming protagonist you have ever seen? Oh, I don't know, because most of them would be the the names that I have given my own gaming protagonist. I assume. <laughs> well, like, like Pip Dashian. No, Pip Pip Dashian is a work of genius. <laughs> uh, I I don't think I know anyone who's played the Kim Kardashian game who hasn't named it themselves Kardashian, <laughs> themselves Dashian. <laughs> You've got to, though, haven't yeah. you? It's entering into the spirit of the thing, Tom. Um, I don't know. Like, there are some that are just, you know, generic and therefore I just forget them. But I usually, like... So, um, I was talking to my boyfriend about um, the, the name that I had given a previous Mass Effect character, given that I've restarted uh, a playthrough of the whole series. Um, and I've changed the name to just being Pip Shepard. Um, but... Previously, it was Filbert, which is kind of based on my own name, but also a type of nut. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's it's the dumbest name that I, I ever given a video game character, and I don't really know what I was doing at the time. I think I was going to call her Albert, and then thought, no, and then I just sort of ended up with the ridiculous kind of you know amalgamation. Um, so yeah, that that was a weird one. Um, <laughs> I, I might have to agree and go with character names that I've created. Um, very specifically, some of the names I came up with when I was about 13 and trying to be a bit sort of gothic emo and coming up with like Death Strike, Night Wish, or whatever the name was. <laughs> names that were absolutely horrendous and terrible, but, but at the time sounded like the coolest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> it's like, what are all the synonyms for dark and depressing that I can wedge into one name? <laughs> See, I was uh, okay because um, I was remembering this. Um, uh, I, I was just thinking back to some of the terrible. I mean, there's been some really terrible, like manly protagonist names over the years, but it's slightly better now than it used to be. I. The one that will always stick in my head is the otherwise completely forgettable name Mace Griffin Bounty Hunter. Because <laughs> I remember the PC's own review at the time consisted almost entirely of different combinations of medieval weapon and mythical creature. Mm. Yeah, that <laughs> was right. Glaive Unicorn. God, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Like the thing is, like there's there's the the sort of I guess the ongoing Twitter joke whenever a new sort of generic white male protagonist gets announced for a game and it's you know there's always variations on oh look it's you know dude mcshooterson or you know whatever else oh, but... if, if you've ever seen if, i don't know if you've ever seen um mystery science theaters uh, uh what was it called space mutiny oh no i haven't there's an amazing sequence there where it has the most generic of like uh the, the most generic of generic white protagonists and there's this bit where they just riff increasingly stupid names for him like um um, like gruff man meat. <laughs> I think they eventually settle on big McLarge huge. <laughs> man meat is a very different thing entirely. I was going to say there were some very similar names to that in one of the games I was playing this week that were like I, I like when character names are like oh, gruff McMahon meat. That that's a good name. I don't mm. think that's bad. I I would I would I name, might my have to name my first game that. character that. I know a lot of people were recently joking about Assassin's Creed um, uh, rogues. 
protagonist being um, Shay Patrick Cormac. What's Scottish oh. McScottish then? <laughs> Irish, 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 yeah. Irish Mac- not Irish actually Mac- proper Irish, apparently, according to proper Irish people. <laughs> I don't know my parts of Britain. It's a part that's not England. Yeah. According to proper Irish people, that is not really a legitimate name either. Uh, and also Ireland being not British. <laughs> Forget it, I don't know. They're kind of a connected-ish land mass that's kind of near us. <laughs> I think we should move on before we start a diplomatic interest. This is why I'm not a like a geological journalist. Sudden surge VS vote. <laughs> oh god. Where are anyway, we? No, we can are we get on to video Germany games now? Yes. I know about video games. Can we get on to those? <laughs> sure. Um, Gamescom. Um, I don't know how much. Uh, um, uh, this March of gaming. Yeah. Is it's kind of weird actually because you don't. People haven't. Like, I think the past few years, people haven't really expected much from Gamescom because um, it's not that long after E3. But everyone did actually seem to try and make a big deal of it. But hardly anyone had anything new. Well, you watch it this year and it definitely looked like they were trying to put on E3 press conferences. This was sort of more spectacle and uh, more of a deal was made of it than we've seen in previous years. It feels about like not very much. <laughs> like, as in, they're going to broadcast this stuff and therefore you have to have something to show. And then they didn't. And you're co- well, you know, like they didn't have like a, a, an hour of new stuff. And <laughs> so you just sort of watch the same thing kind of again but just with slight tweaks or updates to the things that you'd sort of seen before basically all i came out of that really was hey volume had a cool looking trailer and microsoft are trying to convince us that in it uh, a game that's not really an exclusive is an exclusive and it's all i took away from like three hours of press conferences i mean i made this joke at e3 but the the amount of different ways in which you can imply exclusivity without actually legally saying it I was saying this when I, when I heard this whole thing. Like, I believe the initial phrasing on stage was, um, it's coming exclusively to Xbox in uh, holiday 2015. <laughs> and it sounds like what they meant by that is that in holiday 2015, it will be coming out. And at that time, it will be exclusive. It won't come to anything else during holiday 2015. However, as soon as that is gone, which depending how you define it could be as early as like January, February time, probably going to come to everything. Yeah. Anyway, um, there yeah. was one new thing which was Screen Ride, which seemed like a Returns Roller Coaster Tycoon, which was pretty cool. But that's that's oh, it. That's all I know about it. There, there was one other cool thing, which I just remembered we needed that might be worth talking about. Sony's thing they want to do with multiplayer in different homes. Oh, the Where, sort of like, share it with your friends. Yeah, you might yes. have friends with slightly different gaming libraries. We've just realized yeah. this. That might be a thing we can capitalize well, on. The, the kind of way they, they pitched it is sort of like, hey, if you would be able to play couch co-op together, why shouldn't you be able to play couch co-op in different houses together? Hmm. And it's this sort of, I don't know specifics on how they're going to do it. Like, The assumption, I guess, is that one person is streaming the game to the other person who can just play it watching the stream, I guess, or something like this. Mm. But it's kind of like um, on live or something. Well, that's what I imagine is that it's probably going to be like their their sort of PlayStation. Yeah, like their PlayStation Now Gaikai stuff they're doing. Mm. Probably, hey, stream the game over to your friend. They'll be able to see it. You can play couch co-op apart from each other. I don't know. If it works, that's cool. Well, the thing is, haven't they, they've sort of struggled to implement that kind of stuff because of bandwidth kind of you know like because yeah. of our internet infrastructure 
in parts of Europe. So, like, cause didn't they mention yeah. it, like, a, a, a one or two Gamescoms ago? And then, like, they were quite unspecific because it it, it is a problem, you know, the, the sort of the uh, internet access sort of issue. And so, yeah, we, like, the Gaikai stuff had kind of gone a bit off radar because what, of all what, that. Yeah, what I quite like is the way that um, Sony are handling it with Far Cry 4 where you get 10 keys with your game mm. and you can give that key to a friend to download a portion of the game that's enough to do co-op but won't let them play by themselves if you're not online. Mm. And like, yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, like that, like, that a, I like. It's a kind of like, hey, you can sort of share it and have like more of a rounded experience, but it's also a teaser for the other person. Like they're still yeah. getting a, a, you know, like hopefully a fun experience with the game, but, and, and the sort of the, the, friendship portion of things unless you're a dick um and they're only friends with you for your game codes anyway that's your problem not ours <laughs> and then like yeah it, i think that 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 would be a, an interesting way of doing things and of just sort of showcasing a game and getting somebody sort of invested in it to the point where they're like huh oh, maybe i don't have to be friends with this dick anymore maybe i can just <laughs> buy a copy of the game now, I don't know why to... I'm so obsessed with this person being a dick, but so there you've, we still go. got to, you've still got to stay stay friends with this person because you need their next code next time there's That's another game true. that has free code. So you just you stay yeah. friends, you take their free code, then you buy the games. Well, you're basically friends with them as a kind of canary, kind of well, not canary, but like you you test out the games just through the friendship. And that's that's all that it really exists for. I now feel sorry for this imaginary person that doesn't really have oh, any friends except this for the imaginary people. person yeah. thinks they've got a friend, so it's fine as long as they never drop that. As long as yeah, as long as no one ever breaks this illusion or pierces their sort of bubble of self-esteem. Oh God! As long as they never listen to this podcast. Well, maybe Sony needs to set you... up a helpline for when this inevitably happens. <sighs> Listener of this podcast, we are talking to you. Very specifically <laughs> you. It is a shame that this has happened to you. I'm, However, I'm very sorry. Mm. I'm sorry we had to break it to you this way by telling you over podcast. But, you know, be reassured that we will still talk to you. Yeah, as you. long as you make sure that you send us codes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe we should monetize this podcast by having... I was going to say Xbox friends. That doesn't work. <laughs> oh, oh, this has all gone wrong. All gone wrong. Abort. Abort. <laughs> so on the streaming thing, I do remember someone talking uh, with Gabe Newell a while back about how um, the stream, the Steam like in-home streaming, because he they'd gone for that as a sort of mid-stage because they didn't think that the infrastructure was capable of full streaming. Mm. That said, I did. Re- I do remember trying Gakai a few years ago, and it worked really well. Um, even in my you know slightly dodgy internet in Bath here, so. Well, I I used um, online for a while, and while it's definitely not together, if you want to be playing like a Street Fighter game or something that's like very sort of reliant on you reacting to individual frames, for most like action adventure like or storyline first person shooter single player modes, it's probably just fine to do that. Like, unless you're trying to be competitive at a very twitchy experience, you're probably just fine with streaming. Anyway, I was going to say, um, Microsoft didn't have much, but Sony seemed to have quite a lot of things on show. I was really interested by, um, is it just Wild? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wild in capital letters, I think. Oh, God, not that again. I've had enough of that with id. 
They insist on making all their games in capital letters and their studio name in lowercase only. <laughs> Have I got this right? Is that the one that's being done by the new indie studio from Yves Guillermo? No, Michel Ansel. Michel Ansel. I knew it was one of the Ubisoft people. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of Michel Ansel. I love Beyond Good and Evil. And it seems to be similar to some of the stuff he's done before. Like, there's a lot of ecology stuff in there, which he did tons of in the underrated, um, hang on, Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie. <laughs> as, as long as this the longest delay, title in the world. <laughs> as long as this doesn't display uh, uh, delay Beyond Good and Evil Two, I'm happy. Well, it, it won't delay it more because <laughs> um, it has already an infinite delay. <laughs> well, no, it got reconfirmed recently. It's definitely still being worked on. That was the latest. Is yes, we're still making it. We promise it really does exist. Uh, I wonder if they're like this is just some secret slush fund at Ubisoft, and you go to the Beyond Good and Evil, and it's just like it's just a ball pit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was I was at a convention last weekend. I was very sad there was no ball pit in the children's area. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, yeah, but that's my oh, what except for. Revealing the new Bioware game, which is Shadow Realms, which oh yes, I was really looking forward to. Um, that was the big thing I wanted to know about, and it's I ended up coming away going, ah, it's I'm less, interesting. I'm less excited having seen the trailer, which is not a good sign for your trailer. Um, yeah, I I really don't know what it's going to be. Supposedly it's a f- four player co op versus one sort of dungeon mastery person. I like the idea of bringing more dungeon mastery things in. But I don't know if it will just be super actiony or what. <laughs> so it's another kind of evolve type thing where it's like, hey, four of you against one really strong person in control. Of yeah, or Fable Legends is uh, the other one, obviously. Oh yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know how much you get to do because I mean, um, I, was, I was wondering because this, this is Bioware Austin who did um, uh, uh, the Old Republic, and I remember thinking when I played that that the multiplayer conversation stuff was really cool and it would be it's a shame they didn't try that in a co-op game so maybe they will that would be good of course yeah. that you know, maybe it would be interesting to see them go like full dungeon master with it and maybe have you like play the uh, NPCs in conversations and things like that I don't know but we we don't really know how it's working at all <laughs> well, I... it's, it's, it's Bioware it can't be too bad <laughs> do we think that this might be the fail better collaboration uh, no, apparently. I, I actually I saw this earlier today. Alexis Kennedy said that they're, oh, they've cool. been told... I've been off, off the, that their internet today, <laughs> so I've, I've, yeah. I'm... Yeah, the news has passed me by. <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, Alexis Kennedy said that um, they'd been asked not to comment on it um, to just keep the mystery going, I guess. But mm. the thing they're working on hasn't been announced yet. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I assumed, I assumed that was going to be Gamescom just because... A lot of the Bioware teaser things that had redacted sections in them were alluding to Gamescom. Mm. So I kept thinking, oh, this project redacted, that, that sort of joint project, that's that's going to be what we see at mm. Gamescom, which it doesn't seem like that's what happened. No. Which is odd. Um, so yeah, that was Gamescom, really. It was okay. I'm sure it was more interesting if you were actually there, where there were games to play with the floor. <laughs> Well, they mentioned Drive Club again, which is, you know, the ongoing saga thereof. And, like, how it's now got, I don't know, what, interactive drizzle or super realistic, like, you know, particle, particulate matter in the air. or I don't know, whatever. And, like, 
I just found myself looking at the really shiny cars and thinking, I wish I could like lean on them and like leave a handprint and really like just really annoy everyone and you know because they're just so luxuriously shiny and i'd like to be able to just have that much of a room for dickishness see if we still had connect you could hold your hand up to the camera and leave a very accurate handprint on your virtual car yeah or just like oh i could hold up my key to the the thing (laughs) and then like just run it down the side of someone's like subaru or something you'll just have to imagine no driver task doing it uh, well, I loved how they were like, hey, we're in a friendship club together where we all do things separately, not together. And, and then I can kind of like somehow capitalize on that because friendship. And you're kind of like, that's not how. Fr- oh, never mind. <laughs> they did manage to drop the word driver tie in. It's not going away. I love that word. So, that yeah. is my I favorite hope you all word of all the words. <laughs> I think, oh, no, I, just, go, I think we need to go further with driver tars, though. We need them for every genre. So it's like your platformer tar, your adventure tar. <laughs> shooter tar. Shooter tar. Mm. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so that's that's a thing. And then, But the thing is, like, with, with the press conferences, like, I suddenly realised that I wasn't really taking much of it in, as in, you know, partly I'd sort of seen the vast majority of it before but i'd switched into eurovision mode which is just kind <laughs> yeah. of like eh, you know like hey here's a joke that i can make about this and then who's, like, who's this who's this up next okay i'll tune out until the next thing happens maybe make a joke if there's something funny to say and you move on mm. or like uh, you know just telling people anecdotes about ridiculous yeah. things that had happened that were like you know tangentially related and then they signed off with that ridiculously terrible like um remix of music sounds better with you and i was just like are you n- no 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 and i'm sorry if you're the person who who remixed that i just it didn't work for me at that moment in time that was not how you wanted to end that experience. No, no. I just, I don't know, like, what would have worked. Maybe I am the one and only. I, I don't know. But I, I, I just wasn't in the mood for it. Wasn't in the mood for it. That's all I have to say on the matter. <laughs> I was probably quite mean at times, especially when the Forza developer briefly forgot the word car. Because <laughs> we've all had it happen to us, and it's completely fair. But just like that's all he does. It's beautiful, <laughs> it really is. Um, okay, uh, so uh, games come aside. What have you been playing lately, Laura? I've been mounting my friends this week. Hooray! Hooray! And I kind of alluded this, to this before, but I love some of the names that come up in that game. Um, I've had willies, I've had um, goodness knows, I've had so many names that sound like they're slang for a penis. It's just beautiful. <laughs> there are not enough games like this. Mm. So my, my week has been spent, if anyone doesn't know what Mount Your Friends is, it is a game where there's a goat stood in the middle of a screen and you have to use the face buttons to control your various limbs and try and climb and build a tower of partially naked men with big slopping penises everywhere. And try and build a tower out of them and build a higher tower than your friend can. And it's beautiful. Or you take turns. Like I like the turn-taking oh, yes. one. Mm. That's what I've been doing. You take turns to try and build. Like You've got a certain amount of time, so it's sort of, how can you get to the top of this tower and make it taller before the time runs out, I guess. Mm. But yeah, have either of you played been playing Matt and your friends? 
I haven't played it recently. I played it a little while ago at a housewarming, and it was very good fun. And like, but I very occasionally someone would do that thing of like forgetting which limb they were trying to move, and then suddenly would like drop down dramatically several <laughs> several chaps of, I... of length, and then and then be sort of trying to jiggle their way to the top, or like also I. Found that I was actually really good at building overhangs, men overhangs, yeah. so that they were really hard for the other person to like to, to climb up and clamber around. Overhang also sounds kind of like slime for penis. <laughs> oh goodness! Everything about this game is hilarious. Like I, I played it for a good couple of hours. I had some friends around because I moved into a new flat. Yay! Um, and basically. I, I only had that thing happen once where someone moved the wrong limb and fell the whole way down, and there was just silence. It was like, oh, I'm so sorry. That's all. Oh, no. Guess you're dead now. But that, <laughs> it's 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 a beautifully silly game. I'd never played it before it came out, and sort of I thought, okay, well, I'll give it a go. And it is just good fun. And there are not enough games that have helicopter penis in them, so. <laughs> 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 I think like I, I did spend a bit of time just trying to to get some full on windmilling going, <laughs> but ultimately the the tower had to take priority. So, oh goodness, what what else have I been playing? This has been like this week for me has been a week of playing games that are already out or other people have already played, but I'm kind of catching up on them now. So the other one I played multiplayer wise is I finally caught up and played Towerfall. Mm. And this was my first time really digging into Towerfall. Um, oh, I really enjoyed it. It's really good. Um, I like a lot of the sort of custom custom stuff that I eventually found that was in there where you can set up all these different game modes where it's like, okay, well, we'll start with regenerating shields, all these different types of arrows and various settings you can have it on. Um, I love that you can make gifts of your of your victory, which is something I discovered sort of as I was going on. But yeah, I really like Towerfall, and I'm really sad now that I don't have people in my house because I want to be playing local co-op again. This week has been, I love local co-op. Why am I not doing it more? Sony have the solution for you. Exactly. I really like the sound of that. I'm like, yes, I want to do the local multiplayer, but I don't have friends. <laughs> where, are all, where are all of my friends? Have you considered there making friends with someone that you hate? For <laughs> Exactly. Like, there are people I like who I'm friends with but who live too far away to play local multiplayer. I need to find people I hate but just happen to live close by. No, oh, I really enjoy Towerfall as well. There's something... There should be like more arcs on projectiles in games. There's something really pleasing about that to me. It just gives it that kind of element of unpredictability that a straight line doesn't have. Um, exactly. Arcs are unpredictable. <laughs> well, no, they should be predictable. They were, it would be if I was better at games. Uh, <laughs> I'm my favorite by circles. But no, it's the fact that you can do like trick. You can do like you know you can deliberately leap something over the top of a barrier and things like that. It gives you more sort of yeah. scope for trick shots, I guess. My, my favorite way to play to play Towerfall that I found was you can set it up so that it um, all of your arrows are random arrows. So like one shot, just your standard arrow with an arc the next one might be a laser arrow that will go deadly straight the next one might be a bomb arrow like i love the whole sort of i think this is going to work but if the arrow has changed i'm probably going to die (laughs) it it was an interesting game (laughs) uh 
And then what's the last one I've been playing? Oh, last one I've been playing. I, I got sent a code for Chess 2, the sequel. Mm, the chess thing. I, I was dubious about, but I got sold on it. I'm um, talking to some of the people on the Naughty Game po- uh, the Sorry, on the Oh No Video Games podcast. I've got my podcast confused. Um, oh, you are on like four. This is my fifth <laughs> of the week. Um, yeah, chess too, surprisingly good. Um, it is chess, but um, it takes a lot of stuff from deck building competitive card games where you can basically build a a party of chess pieces that all do various things. Um, so as well as your like standard set of chess characters, you've got like, you could build, there was a, there was a a pack of them that I quite liked where it involved having two Kings. You can have two Kings at once, but if either one of them dies, the game's over. So it's like, and there are various things that you can't do with it. Um, you can have pieces that can, there's pieces that can teleport to any space on the board they want, but they can't attack. Um, all sorts of very weird pieces that just spice up chess in an interesting way that it's it's interesting in that I'm not very good at chess. I don't know all the mechanical stuff that's required to actually be good at competitive chess, but this mixes it up enough that I can feel like I'm being competitive and that I don't have to have memorized the only way to win a chess match. Mm. So yeah, video games. I've played those. <laughs> Mostly I'm just thinking of other subtitles for chess too. Just too, well, I'm just harder. disappointed that it wasn't a sequel to the musical. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Um, I was I was a little bit disappointed there was no One Night in Bangkok playing or anything. Mm. Well, you could have done that yourself. I mean, obviously, you know, it would have been muted on Twitch VODs, but, you know, it would have fine. Well, it probably wouldn't have been tweet- muted so long as I sang it. I can just really badly sing it for everyone Oh, that's Twitch. true. Mm. Is that I what Content maybe... Idea is going to do to everyone? Well, this is my problem, is that, like, is it more offensive if Twitch doesn't mute you when you're singing, (laughs) or if it does mute you? Because obviously if it mutes you, it thinks that you're close enough to the original that it's going to flag it as a content violation, and therefore it's kind of complimenting your singing by also fucking your content over. (laughs) So... (laughs) Like, it's kind of like a, a, a double-edged sword that you've got going on there. But then, yeah, conversely, if it doesn't mute you, then it means that you're kind of not very good at singing, which is well, if it a bit of a problem. Well, if it doesn't mute you, it means that you are not the exact song. You are not perfect, you are not an MP3 player in song form. What I'd really like what to I do aspire to be. is get Britney Spears playing, like, Dark Souls or something while singing her own songs and then seeing whether the um, content ID system flags her up as being herself. I did hear someone suggest that. Get, like, Jay-Z or someone to do some rapping and be like, hey, is it going to flag that person singing their own song? Mm. You just don't know. No. So if anybody, any famous musicians out there who are listening to this, and I assume there there are several... There is one that, oh, um, it's the guy from, what's that 90s, like, uh, metalish Craig band? Craig David? Oh. No, um, <laughs> he was from the Linkin Park, sort of, Chester genre. Bennington. Yes! He twi- um, he, he streams on Twitch. Oh, he plays yeah. Call of Duty. 
Or was it him or was it No, hang on, was it Fred it Durst was, or someone? It might have it might have been yeah. Fred Durst. I, I know it one it was Durst. one of it might well have been Fred Durst. I don't one think those... Chester Bennington the third would know what a Twitch was. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I know I know one of them was was streaming Call of Duty on Twitch, so <laughs> it's like can you can you get yourself flagged? We need to know. Mm. Yes. So so famous musician musicians out there just, you know, do that. Let us know. Sorry if it gets you muted. <laughs> it's for science. Mm, yes. <laughs> it's for the greater good. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, because basically I want to know whether Twitch is insulting me or not. <laughs> anyway. What have you uh, been playing, Pip? Well, so... I have been playing Dark Souls. So... <laughs> which... Is because I started playing. I, I think I tweeted saying, "Hey, should I, should I sort of restart Mass Effect, or should I do some other thing that I've completely forgotten now?" And I got just sad faces from Craig, and I was <laughs> like, "Oh, for God's sake!" So I I installed Dark Souls, started playing it, streamed it, had so many friends that were just like really Pip what the hell are you doing you know like how long did it take you to find that shield I was like just stop judging me um and it went better than last time um and so I I kind of stuck with it and I've got further than I got previously um I got a message I think this morning actually from my friend uh Faye who was just like and and the message was um hang on let me just find the exact uh wording it was, um, oh, where am I? yeah, it was Pip, what the hell is wrong with you is how the conversation started. And it's because like really early on in the game, this guy is like talking to you and telling you something which he thinks is important. And I was busy like slashing my sword around, sort of killed him. I think it might have been on purpose as well because I was just like, he asked me a question which required a yes or no answer and I hadn't been paying attention. So I just picked one. And he seemed okay with that. But then I was like, hang on, what if he's evil? What if he's about to get up and kill me? And then he seemed to be about to get up, so I stabbed him. Um, That's the dying night at the start, right? Yeah. Is it, I was going to say, okay, because this is the same problem you got into last time you tried Dark Souls, where you no, stabbed no. the other guy. No, this was a different guy. So I assumed that with this one I'd be fine, because he was, you know, he was dying anyway. So I thought maybe I was doing a good thing. As or opposed maybe to the crestfallen guy who just kills you over and over again. <laughs> Yeah, so he's not talking to me at the moment because I was chatting to him and then I was like, I know how this ends, I'm going to leave. So I'm studiously ignoring that guy at the moment. And then so I went up instead of into the death graveyard. So I went up and I've got a bit further on on that kind of track. Can't work out how to use my pyromancing powers. I'd um, equipped some some armor that I'd found, immediately got a message from Craig saying, why are you wearing that? You don't need that. I was like, oh, <laughs> stop backseat Dark Soulsing me. Um, so, I think yeah. You need a glove then... or something to pyromance? Huh? I think you need a glove or something to pyromance? I don't know. 
not got a clue, mate. It's really down to it. Well, it's not. The thing is, though. I, I what, also had a similar experience with Great Backseat Dark Souls. And... Uh, but what I'm taking away from all of this, like w- what my actual experience has been, sort of, even though I have died a hell of a lot, is it's not actually that hard. I mean, that doesn't make me good at it, but it's not actually like. I don't think the reputation that it has is quite right. I think it's that it doesn't give you the same cues that you're now used to in current video games as to where you go and stuff. And that's how I ended up in the graveyard that time. Because when you get to the bit with the crestfallen knight guy, he um, like he tells you about the bell that's up and mm. then the bell that's down. And, and that's your cue to sort of go up. But there's nothing in the landscape that tells you that. Like there's there, it felt felt like there was nothing in the design of the of the level or the 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 play space at that point that specifically funnels you in the direction that you're supposed to go, and that the up direction is actually just off to the right, and it's not necessary. You know, like you like for me at least, I just went straight forwards. And sort of started exploring around there. And my cue, as Craig says it, is that I should have realised just that when I kept dying, that 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 was not the right direction to go and to sort of try other things. But what I thought was because the and, and maybe if I'd played it when it first came out, I would have done that. But because the game has a reputation for being hard mm. as balls, like it it was my assumption that oh maybe it's just that unremittingly difficult that you know this is my skill ceiling i i can't get past the first bit that's an interesting point how the how the the reputation could be detrimental yeah as as far as the combat goes i heard a really interesting um take on this the other day which is that it's not necessarily that the combat is difficult but the combat does not allow you to um react instinctively to battle you can't like you can't rely on your instincts to be like oh i see this thing swinging at me i'd better roll as soon as i see it swinging you have to ignore your instincts and like learn um uninstinctual behaviors to to combat people there's, there's a lot i think of, that's the difference is, yeah. yeah it's just everything's a little bit off the timings that you would expect it to be and as such it's going to kick your ass if you're not paying attention I haven't necessarily found that with the combat so far. I think I've found that it's more a case of so you you know an enemy sort of um, locks onto you and, and starts like the the attack behavior, and it's a matter of sort of holding back a bit and watching what they do yeah. to see how they're moving or which types of attack they go for. Like, you know, there's one that lunges forward sometimes, and um, when they don't do that attack they um like swing their sword i think it's three times and so you watch you see how they do both things and at what point they are then off balance or like open to to being attacked without you being at risk and then you you know you use that information to to then attack them i don't know how well that holds up sort of later and i think in some scenarios like so i've just uh, I'm dying to a boss at the moment, I think, and like that feels a bit like I'm not sure how to get enough time with it that I can learn anything. Yeah, it, it becomes more of a problem when you start getting some of the bosses and the more aggressive enemies that won't give you the space to 
to observe them that will just sort of be like, no, I'm going to keep putting the pressure, putting the pressure on you. They'll and again, also with occasionally those, yeah. put out enemies in really inconvenient locations as well. Oh god, enemies on bridges are the worst thing. <laughs> Mm. Uh, I'm on a walkway at the moment with I think it's a yeah. Taurus demon mm. and like that's you know I think that's the first boss that you come to but it's like I and I've only faced him once it's more just that I know that I haven't um, uh, like I haven't spent enough time with him that I can I can do the uh, attacking like at the moment like my strategy for him was to stay ridiculously close to his body because it seemed like his um his swing radius was slightly outside that so he wasn't getting me but i think maybe that might have been that i was just getting lucky in those <laughs> scenarios because then he suddenly did and and i was you know on death's doorstep and couldn't yeah. use my uh flask to to get any health back but so it's yeah. a weirdly counterintuitive work game in a lot of ways like the thing where you were talking about earlier where uh, Craig was telling you to take off your armor. I got hit by a, a very much the same thing. It's like you you see better armor, you put it on, um, mm. and like there's no there's not a lot of cues that it's slowing you down. It, you don't seem to be running slower, but your roll is slightly worse. Oh, but yes. the menus and things like it made it. Uh, I I found it quite hard to um to navigate them and to work out what I'd got equipped when. Like it, you know, I put the um the stream up on my uh twitch account um so that people could like i guess because my friends do seem to have an interest so i thought okay well that one i'll i'll actually because you know i i have a habit of forgetting and then just letting the the twitch videos drift off into the ether but um i saved that one and and um yeah like i just so if you're interested you can go watch it but it feels um like the tutorial section like there is some I don't know it it just feels like there are things that I just don't understand like how to use my pyromancy powers and there is nothing that actually explained how to navigate a menu and equip that and that's fine if the game wants to be obstructive but you know that is for me it's a problem because I'm like okay well there's this thing that I just can't use then there's an interesting thing I've heard said about Dark Souls which is the idea that it's essentially, whereas most of the games are trying to put now all the tutorial things into the game, into a specific thing, and, um, it's trying to um, have dying and have talking to other people or reading about it on the internet be part of the experience. I'm I not think, sure how all that works. but I think that's equal parts valid and also a get out for when things haven't been designed well or explained well. No, I agree with you. And so, I don't know, so so there's things like that, and there was also, you know, like if you're in a menu, you don't always necessarily know that you're in a menu, so, um, like, oh, yeah. to to equip stuff, yeah. you, um, you press whatever it is, I can't remember, I think it's Y on my controller, and then it brings up the, the menu where you can then select, you know, weapons or whatever else, but that's only in the top right-hand bit of the screen, and so f- for the rest of it, you can actually still move around and stuff, it's just you can't attack, you can't interact with the environment, and so you can sometimes be in that scene, that selection screen, without realising it, then get attacked, and then you're like, why can't I hit this thing, and, and it's those moments that might sometimes kill you, and that, I think, is just bad UX. Okay, um, let's go to some questions. Uh, Custard Smingley asks, well, we've kind of been talking about this already, is game releasism a driving force behind the success of Dark Souls, like ordering 
the hottest curry in an Indian restaurant? I think, yeah, like we've we've yeah. been talking a lot about that and that I don't think it actually quite deserves the reputation. It's more that the, the difficulty comes from the fact that it doesn't quite go with current gaming conventions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, particularly. I yeah, I, I don't know if it necessarily has pushed the sales, but I think that mm. there's definitely an amount of uh, using that as a way to try and prove yourself as a sort of core gamer, I guess. This sort of the people who do play it, it's like, oh, I found I didn't find it that hard, therefore I'm a better gamer than everyone else. There's definitely, I think, a kind of slightly macho culture around it. I remember yeah. looking it up when I was extremely confused, like Pitt was, um, last time I tried to play it, and Finding guys that just started with with like the most macho nonsense of this is a game that doesn't hold your hands like I slag off a bunch of games that I really like. <laughs> yeah, well, I think exactly. that... it's like hand holding's nice sometimes. It's it's, <laughs> it's comfortable. It's sweet. <laughs> I think that like yeah, Dark Souls. It certainly doesn't like the reputation for being hard. Certainly doesn't hurt it. Mm. And like I think it might attract people in you know in that in that sort of I want to prove myself kind of a way. Um, but and I think that the elitism manifests more in the people who then go on to do, you know, hollow runs, you know, whatever those things are called, you yes. know, when you or when, you know, when you don't. Yeah. Which Craig has done, I think. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And I'm not saying that those people are like bad people or that they are being elitist. It's that 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 is where I think it would manifest or where, you know, where you start to find people sort of being quite sneery or, you know, um, or at least yeah. um, being quite dismissive of, oh, you know, you just haven't made it hard enough. Like there's a super hard game and I've managed to make it even more difficult. And, you know, like sometimes that stuff can be super satisfying or, you know, really enjoyable. It's, But I think that's where, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's... It, it, it definitely can be really um, satisfying. Like I, I really enjoyed. It. I was watching someone the other day who was playing a build where they were going through doing PvP with a shield and no other weapons, and their shield was like, was they were bashing with the shield to cause damage to people. Mm. I was like, it's a difficult way to play, I imagine, but they seem to be having a lot of fun with that little gimmick. And obviously, mm. some people do it like that. Other people will go and be like, yeah, you're not you're not a gamer unless you've completed this game only battling with your fists. Well, that's the thing. Like I I kind of really love that people can do different things with it or can sort of make the game their own by imposing all these, mm. you know, bizarre rule sets on themselves and sort of make it that that personal challenge. It becomes more kind of like marathon running or, you know, like some extreme sports endeavor where you've just decided that you're going to do something and you're bloody minded enough to to try and, and get good enough to do it. And I have a lot of admiration for that. It, yeah. Uh, but isn't it but easier to do see. those? Sorry, uh, do you want to finish? No, no. I, I I was just going to do that slightly tailing off thing <laughs> where you maybe reiterate the point a few times ago. <laughs> but yeah, at the end. <laughs> you made me feel better about interrupting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it could have gone so well yet. <laughs> um, no, I was just going to say, um, but isn't that to an extent, can't you also do those kind of things in games that aren't, quite so uh, punishing for it. and doesn't isn't it easier to do them then because I couldn't play Dark Souls a fancy way because I can barely play it the regular way well, that's the 
thing. I, 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 I just enjoyment in that case. Uh, you know, like there are speed runs that I wouldn't be able to do on regular games that I find super. You know, I find the the particular game really easy. But there are things that people can do to make it ridiculously difficult for themselves, and you know, like self-imposed yeah rules that that just make it more of a challenge and make it more perhaps the game that you want to play. And yeah. so maybe that's actually more symbolic of the fact that it isn't as hard as people are led to believe because you can you know like there there is so much a culture of okay fine that's the basic game but let's actually make it harder for ourselves there's a really interesting thing that was written about i think it was about magic the gathering originally trying to analyze their sort of customers um about different ways in which people play games called uh something like um timmy Jimmy, Spike, and I'll find it and link to it because I've probably got those names wrong. But the different kinds of players, um, some of them being playing for self-expression, which is what I think that sort of Dark Souls stuff is, mm. which is also apparent in easier games and like, I don't know, Skyrim or Minecraft or whatever. But then there's also playing to win. Um, and I can't remember what the other one was. <laughs> mm. um, I, don't, I don't know. Like The only one of those I've ever done was I quite enjoy doing Nuzlocke runs on Pokemon which is a set of self-imposed rules where basically you can only catch the first Pokemon you see you find in each area. If a Pokemon faints, you have to release it. You can't use it anymore. You consider it dead. Mm. And uh, what's the other thing? Like you can, you can do, there are other rules you can put on it from there. Like, oh, you can only visit X number of um, Pokemon centers to heal and things like that. But like that's a series that for me, I still like the series, but there's not much challenge in there and those games are very similar to each other every time they come out so last time one came out I thought right well I'll play this one a bit differently give myself a different experience mm. Mm. Um, yeah one last thing I was going to say actually is that Dark Souls did have a lot of critical acclaim before you know when it was just game critics playing it before any kind of culture you know you know, elitist or otherwise had, had grown up around it so you know I think it's clear that the game has its merits even like, I've, I've you know uh, I've criticised it quite a bit, but you know, it's there's still a lot of really good things about that game. So I don't know. So I'm not. I, I think though there is maybe an elitist culture around it. I wouldn't necessarily say that's why it's a success. It's got its own merits as well. I guess to use like custard's um, phrasing, like it's kind of like going to a, an Indian restaurant and ordering, you know, the the. Um, what's the really hot curry like a fall or something um and sort of expecting a blistering mouth experience but going no no i am going to take this and then finding out that actually it's it's you know more just you know just quite spicy but actually quite enjoyable um, but then you, then i take to, to follow that analogy on i guess that you then have to and then up and can... be like, yeah, this was the hottest curry ever. Well, and I, got I think through it's it, more and none of you could have done that. And then there's a guy go... at the next table just pouring curry. He was just pouring chili powder on top. Well, that's the thing I was <laughs> going to say. It's kind of like, you, so you get this curry and you're like talking about how, oh, it's actually not that bad. You know, you guys, I think that, you know, this is completely manageable and I'll be fine tomorrow. And then somebody goes, yeah, you kind of forgot all this other stuff and then just dumps a whole load of like, you know, scotch bonnet on top. And you're just like, <laughs> Oh, well, if you're going to play it like that, well, of course it's going to be hard. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. Let's get through the other questions because we haven't got much time left. Yes. Um, Matthew Reynolds asks, what's your most amusing death? Hmm. Any death where I find my dead body lodged inside a piece of furniture or a wall. Hmm. Like, oh, I've accidentally died and now my head is stuck in the floor and my legs are up in the air and I'm 
stuck there forever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there wasn't. This one wasn't my own death. It was the death that I caused to a friend. Um, and I don't know if it's the most amusing, but it was the one which really tickled me. And that was um, we was playing Daisy with my friend Matt, and he. Um, we had accidentally gone onto a server that had daytime and nighttime, um, and it was night, and we were kind of like I think roaming around a um, like you know one of the little uh, villages that you find. And he'd gone into a house, and I think was sort of like stuck on the lower level that was kind of you know it was ground level, but because you had to go up to get into the house, it was kind of the basement, I think. Um, but he'd sort of glitched through the wall and couldn't get out so what we were doing was we were trying this was like a few months ago and so we were logging out of servers and logging into new servers to see whether it would like reset the glitch and whether he would sort of be okay and we couldn't get it to do that but so we'd sort of got separated in the village so I had to wander around this like you know pitch black village. couldn't see anything so um I, I had to sort of find a server where it was just perpetually daytime so that I could actually go find him managed to locate the house that he was in and then we worked out that he could kind of glitch through the wall to the point where I could see him if he just kept like running at it and so I was stood outside this house having to try and smack him in the face with an axe repeatedly um, every time his face actually appeared through the wall until he died um, just to free him (laughs) it was in the name of friendship kind of (laughs) but he did kind of end up hacked to death by me (laughs) so that's a thing that happened that's what friendship is all about see this is the real meaning of friendship laura (laughs) it's free codes and hacking your friends to death when they get stuck in a basement Oh, I'm I'm glad that I learned so much about friendship today. Thank you. Yeah, indeed. This is this has been uh, Sesame Street, and uh, we have been your hosts. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to talk about. It. So one last uh, question from Patrick Reckett, who asks, uh, "What's the strangest experience you've ha- ever had in any game, real world or virtual?" I am drawing a blank on that one. I must say, like I've had quite a few strange experiences but they've mostly been experiences that I have engineered for myself mm. like as in I've I've set myself a ridiculous challenge or like some self-imposed like rules or you know whatever else I had a scary experience though and that was when I was playing um, Amnesia Machine for Pigs mm. and I was playing it and like my room was quite dark because it didn't get much sunlight where I used to live and so I was kind of sat there and kind of semi gloom I think playing this you know horror game and um suddenly like and and at the beginning you sort of you're like oh what what has happened to my children like you know there's like empty sort of child beds and things like that and I think you sort of hear them like around the place but then outside my room I think the local primary school must have like kicked out like a few (laughs) minutes before or something and so people's kids have started coming home I could just hear children laughing and like one of them like singing or something and I was just like I was absolutely freaking out because I couldn't tell whether it was like in the game or not and then um my housemate had like recently had a baby as well and so like you could hear like baby crying in the night I was like oh this is I I can't even deal with this game right now (laughs) like it gets very unscary quite Mm. soon like I that 
I found that game problematic in terms of the scariness. It kind of builds to a crescendo really early on, and then the rest of the game, you're like, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that bit, I was just like, oh, <laughs> this is <Aww>. scary. <laughs> I don't want to be here. <laughs> I was just trying to think of some of myself, and I, ha- I have played Unpatched Boiling Point Road to Hell, which is an incredibly strange experience. Um, the one of the most notoriously broken games of all time. Just reading the patch notes is hilarious. It's stuff like fix two big moon, firing the crossbow no longer destroys oh, the police that, station. Yeah. Um, so that I remember being very strange. I don't know if I remember that many good anecdotes from it. And there was one I've I've spoken about on the podcast before where we were playing System Shock in co-op, and my friend decided that we weren't scared enough, mm. and decided and started like hiding items and ammo and just oh, like. I that, yeah. <laughs> and then refusing to talk to us and communicating only through game chat, um, which, where he just made weird groaning sounds. <laughs> uh, Sorry. This was I like think... two AM as well. <laughs> um, the weirdest, the weirdest one I have had was probably again in the same vein of things in the middle of the night. The first time I played through um, the Stanley Parable, I started at about half past two, three in the morning. Mm. And I played right through the night and I was incredibly tired. I hadn't slept for a day or so before. Mm. And that game, when you're sleep deprived, it was a very <laughs> odd experience. I was, I was streaming while I was doing it and I watched the stream back afterwards. At one point, I'm nearly crying, being like, when will this game end? How do I get out? It was a very <laughs> weird experience. Mainly due to the fact that I, I was losing track of what was the game and what was not after a while. Do you uh, still have that stream saved, or has it been lost in the great Twitch? <laughs> I, sorry, I think I, it's on YouTube. I think it's on YouTube I think my somewhere. Room is quite dusty. Sorry, I keep sneezing. That's okay. <laughs> I think it's on YouTube. I might have to dig it out because it's quite bizarre to watch my descent into madness. Sure, if you send me the link to that, I'll make sure it's in the show notes. I'll see if I can find it. <laughs> All right, um, we're gonna have to wrap up now. I'm afraid. Um, so thanks for joining us again. If you have any further questions, any further questions for next week, you can reach us at Not a Game Podcast on Twitter or at notagamepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to tweet to or follow me, I am at Word Mercenary on Twitter. We're doing the self promotion thing now. Yeah. <laughs> Craig's not here anymore. He can't mock us. Craig can't hold us down from our mercenary pursuits and, and self. Like relentless self promotion <laughs> that we do all the time. <laughs> sure. Oh, me on Twitter. Sorry, everyone. Everything went quiet for a moment. Oh, hi. I'm I'm Laura K Buzz on Twitter. I also do like a dozen other podcasts. So go listen to the Indie Haven podcast, Category Video Games, The Geek Night In, Oh No Video Games. They're all on iTunes. Go Google them. Do whatever. It's not like a syndication kind of thing. <laughs> Would be or like I, a collaborative con- marketing scheme. I like the word. I scheme. have considered like the Laura K podcasting network. <laughs> Maybe that needs to be a thing. I think you have more podcasts yourself than Idle Thumbs do now. Uh- <laughs> wow, uh, I have too many podcasts. <laughs> Why um, am I on all these podcasts? <laughs> ah! <laughs> and I am at Philippa War, which I should probably spell because even I don't get it right half the time. Um it's P H I L I double P A double U A double R. Which thanks parents. 
that's uh, that's that's a genius <laughs> contribution to my life. Right. At least it's unique, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, until next week, I guess. Should we say goodbye? Bye, Ron. Bye. Bye.